Welcome back to Be the Sought After Entrepreneur podcast. This is episode number 11, and I'm your host, Katherine Thompson. Thank you, as always, for tuning into this episode. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a big shout out to one of our listeners of the week. Sarah wrote, all I can say is, wow, this new podcast really hits on the head for entrepreneurs. Catherine selects such relevant topics and provides incredibly valuable insights. I cannot stop listening. This is a must listen to. Thank you, Sarah, for your kind and thoughtful words and for taking the time to leave a review. Bringing fresh and relevant topics to the entrepreneurial space is something I strive to do. So thank you. I love reading each and every review that comes in. So don't forget to leave one as it really helps me know that my message is resonating with y'all and helping you. Plus, I love shouting out my listeners of the week each and every week. Now, I am super excited for today's guest to share with you what branding is, what it isn't, and why it's so important. Tammy Heels is the founder of Shadowcat Creative Brand Consultancy and Podcats Media Agency. She combines her passion for strategic brand and marketing with her love of podcasting and streaming to bring community-focused, feel-good strategies to independent businesses across the globe. She is the host of the Brand Lounge podcast, which I was on a few months ago. And when she's not shouting about what she does, you can find her with her cats and a ridiculously large cup of tea at her home in the south of England. So without further ado, let's welcome Tammy to the show. After generating over a million dollars in sales and selling one of her businesses with a single email, your host, Catherine Thompson, takes an unconventional approach to marketing and sales. So if you're ready to tap into a more powerful way to be seen, heard, and a sought-after entrepreneur in your industry without having to spend endless hours marketing your business and chasing clients, you're in the right place. Be the Sought-After Entrepreneur Podcast is here to help you ditch the cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approach to marketing and use your unique energy to effortlessly attract the most aligned clients. When you do this, you can spend less time marketing your business and more time doing your soul work and enjoying the richness of your life. Welcome to Be the Sought After Entrepreneur Podcast. And here's your host, Katherine Thompson. Hey, hey, welcome to the show, Tammy. I am super stoked to have you on. I was on your podcast a few months ago. It was so much fun. So I'm really looking forward to doing this interview with you today. So without further ado, I just want to turn it over to you so that you can share with our listeners who you are, what you do, and what your zone of genius is. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's so weird to be on the receiving end of being a guest as opposed to being a host. So I'm, for all your listeners out there, I'm Tammy, Tammy Heels, and I have two businesses where I am a brand expert across both. So I have Shadowcat Creative, which is a brand consultancy where I create brand strategy, marketing strategy, and visual identity for independent businesses kind of across the world, mostly here in the UK, which is where I'm based. And then my second business where, again, I'm a founder, but also um, specialized in the branding aspect is a podcasting agency called Podcasts Media, where we offer kind of production, branding, marketing, all of that jazz for podcasts. So kind of the same role across two different niches. Yeah, so cool. And we'll definitely dive into the podcast side because I know that is a new venture for you. And I just love that you're sharing with our listeners that you're doing 
two types of things because I do speak to the multi-passionate. I am a multi-passionate and that's what we chatted about on your show. So I do love that you're going to share with us both sides of your business. So I guess, how did you get started in branding? Oh, so I was always interested in kind of art and design. And that was always a passion of mine when I was growing up. And then when I went to university, I did animation, which was kind of half design, half my passion for filmmaking. And then when I left uni, I kind of fell into a graphic design role and literally fell in love with it. And then along the years, it niched down more and more. And I found that I had a particular a particular strength when it came to strategy combined with design, which fits really well within that branding niche, because a lot of branding, I would say probably the majority of branding is actually the strategy behind it as opposed to the visual identity. So it's nice to be able to wrap the two up together and it just kind of developed from there and then corporate roles and then created my own business. And here we are today. Amazing. So you did work in corporate for a while once you left university. How long were you in corporate for? Oh, a good 10 to 12 years. It was a quite, quite a chunk. But once I'd fallen into that design role, it was more moving around different companies, but offering kind of the similar side of things. I was definitely print based and print design which was wonderful. And then as time progressed, because as time does, uh, the internet became more of a thing. Social media came in and the whole digital aspect of branding and design really kind of took center stage. And now print is more seen as kind of retro, which I love and feel sad about at the same time. But digital definitely has taken center stage. And now that there's so much more availability through tools, techniques, and information, it's much more accessible for business owners to have that. So I focus more on the strategy as opposed to kind of everyday design now, like I did within the corporate world. Yeah, cool. And I do want to dive into kind of how you talked about the strategy behind branding. What is branding for our listeners? But before I do that, how did you know you were ready to make that shift out of corporate? Or did you know? (laughs) No, no. So it's, it's a convoluted mess and jumble of emotions that I'm sure a lot of people will be able to kind of relate to. And I was having this conversation with a coach the other day because I think that I had a certain amount of arrogance after I was running my business alongside my freelance, sorry, I was running my freelance business alongside my corporate role for a good two and a half years, working every waking hour, getting my freelance clients. I was having quite a rocky time in my corporate job because threats of redundancy, every location, kind of all of these different things where the more I realized how much I enjoyed working with my clients outside of the corporate world, the more I realized that I wanted to move away from it. But I didn't have that confidence or the craving for stability and doing something that's completely different to what you're used to and what you've always known can be quite scary. So I sent, eventually I set myself a deadline that I was going to leave in March 2020. Circumstances actually meant that I left my job about six months earlier than that. And it basically boiled down to I was either going to have a complete mental breakdown where I was or take the plunge and just give it a go, which is perfect timing because it was six months before the UK went into lockdown here. But hey, you know what? It was... People will always tell you that you never know if you're going to be ready. And I believe that. I think that I would have taken that jump on my own, but I'm very glad that I had that push. 
Yeah. And I just recorded an episode. It launched, it was like how to transition out of corporate. And that's why I always love asking that question about how did you know? Because for everybody, it's so different. And I think for me, my experience was I worked 15 years in corporate and it got to a point exactly that it was either I'm going to have a breakdown, complete breakdown, (laughs) meltdown, or I just have to like do it. And that whole feeling of you're never going to really feel a hundred percent ready. And the Mm -hmm. uncertainty of what you're jumping into, you don't know, and you can't guarantee what that's going to look like. So, and what perfect timing, yeah, six months before the lockdown, the world kind of shut down in a lot of ways and you were able to focus on it and to do it. So what is branding for our listeners who don't really know what branding is and why is it important for your business? Yeah, of course. I think with branding, it's, it's one of those times, there are so many times in business that get banded around and everyone has their interpretation of what it is. Like branding, marketing, strategy, sales, all of these things have different interpretations depending on your personal experience. But for me, in the way that I like to approach branding is branding is the foundational core of your business. It's why you do what you do. It's the values that you hold true to yourself. It's the way that you want people to feel about your business. It's the experience that they have when they experience your business, that's your brand. And then marketing, just to kind of build on from that. So if your branding is the core of what you believe in, how you want people to feel, marketing is the way that you then communicate that to your audience And sales is a conversation of saying, hey, you feel this way because this is the way that we've made you feel through the way that we've communicated to you. This is the solution that we have. Do you want it? So that's the way that I like to kind of approach the three because I kind of feel like the three get a little bit jumbled. But yeah, for me, branding is absolutely at the core of what you do and how you set yourself up. Yeah. Awesome. I loved how simplified you made that. Cause I do think that people are confused about what is branding? What is marketing? What is sales? Aren't they all just together and how do they all work together really? Right. So, and you talked about, I know lots of times and lots of my audience come to me and they think that branding is just the visual elements of it, your logo, your colors, but it's so much deeper than that. And you touched on the whole strategy behind it. So I want you to talk to me about that and share with our listeners, like what goes into branding when you're working with clients, what goes into like from start to finish, what that experience looks like. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is a subject that I absolutely love. So, you know, like blink rapidly if I'm talking too much. Um, But branding essentially, when you've got the visual aspect, which is the bit, like you rightly said, that most people associate with branding, the visual part of your branding is absolutely key because that's the way that you're presenting yourself and that's the way that you're visually communicating to your audience. But part of your branding is also the messaging that you're using. So the words that you're choosing to use to communicate to your audience And unless you know what kind of business owner you want to be, because I honestly believe that your brand starts with you, particularly if it's a personal brand, what kind of business owner you want to be, what kind of business you want to build, what values you want to have and how you want your audience to feel, how are you ever going to be able to choose the right words and the right visuals to communicate that if you haven't done the work beforehand? It'd be kind of like saying, oh, I'm going to be a spiritually based well-being yoga studio and then choosing like a really heavy rock grunge kind of branding where you're like this doesn't quite fit and the 
big importance about getting your visuals right, which is why the strategy is important, is as individuals, as human beings, we do not like surprises when it comes to parting with our money. And at the end of the day, we are all in business to make money. That's part of it. Whatever your why is, making money is going to help facilitate that. And if you are not aligning how you want to communicate visually and with your messaging to your audience in the right way that's aligned with your values, when they come to work with you, there's going to be a disconnect. And as soon as you get that disconnect, it makes it harder for you to deliver a better service because you're not getting the right audience coming in to convert into the customers that you're going to excel with. But equally, your audience and your clients are going to feel that disconnect. And that's when uncertainty and doubt starts to creep in, which then makes the whole business experience feel very rocky. And we don't want that. We want our businesses to be a joy. So aligning all of your visuals with all of that back-end work, which, like I said, is about 80 90% of what you do with your branding, it really is key to then be able to communicate visually how all of this has kind of come together at, at the beginning. And it all starts with you as a business owner and your goals for your business. Yeah, so beautifully articulated and how you said that, because it's so true. I feel like we so focus on the sales to start Like you're right. We do need to make sales and make money in our business in order to achieve the why that we're, we're after. But I think that we so heavily focus on the sales. I need to get the clients. I need to get the customers. I've got this product or I've got this service and I need to, you know, get these people into my business. And we sort of forget that front end work up front of like really solidifying what we stand for, why we do what we do, who we want to attract even the types of clients we want to work with. We don't give ourselves that due diligence, I think, sometimes to spend the time to do that. And so what would you say then, you know, for personal brand? Yes, it really does start with you. Would you approach product-based businesses differently? Oh, product-based businesses. A product-based business can still be a personal brand. It can still be something that's true and core cool to you and your, your identity and your values. I think the main difference is whether whether you are going to be at the center of everything you face of it, it doesn't mean that you can't have a team of people behind you, people like Marie Folio, Jenna Kutcher, other people that I can't think of. All of them now have like a massive team behind them, but you still know them as a personal brand, as an individual. And when it comes to product-based businesses, it's almost the same thing. Like you can create an individual as the business, like the business takes on that role that you would fulfill within a personal brand. So yes, you can still approach it that way. You still need to do the strategy work, but instead of making it about you, you're making it as in your business is that entity. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do know we do have listeners that are both product-based and service-based businesses. So I wanted to touch on that just so that they understood that, yes, you still have to approach it somewhat the same way. You're still the core of your business, right? Like if as the founder or CEO of your business, you still are driving, driving the ship. And then as you build a team. So I want to talk about teams because I know that branding, having that really rock solid foundation is so important when you actually start to onboard teams as well, right? So if you bring on a team and they don't know what you stand for. It can also make things really rocky. So talking about sort of that team perspective, what would you say is like important for a business owner to know as they bring on team members when it comes to like even how to articulate that brand to them internally? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great question. And it's something that I'm kind of going through at the moment. I experienced it a lot more in the corporate world because within the corporate world, you have a lot of, you know, how do we get our employees more engaged with the brand? And it always feels a little bit flat. So as independent business owners, we actually have that driving seat. And if you've ever been in corporate, just think back to how you felt whenever you had those employee engagement things, what connected and what didn't. But at the moment where I'm building an agency as opposed to a personal brand with the podcasting business, I'm really trying to set it up from the start to make sure that the brand is communicated with anyone that comes on board. And the best way of doing that, in my opinion, would be to have a really good, strong set of brand guidelines, which is not just what your colors are and what your fonts are, but also talking about your values and talking about what you want the company to stand for, where you want the business to go, how you want the business to feel and what you want the culture inside that business to be like. And when you're working with other people, find those people that are excited about your business, that are as excited about working with you on your business as you are, because then you know you're going to get that buy-in and they can bring more to the business rather than just kind of being there and taking up space and fulfilling a role. Like we have that luxury of being able to handpick from hundreds and thousands of other people on this planet to make our business the best that it can be. So don't be afraid that if something doesn't work out, that's okay. Like we're all individuals. We don't always know until we've experienced it. But the more that you can do to articulate and communicate how you want that brand to feel, that really is going to be a way that then those people will become your advocates, your internal ambassadors, and they can carry on building that dream, that vision that you have collectively. Beautiful. Yeah. And you touched on a point where I think I know lots of high achievers experience this, where they feel like they're never going to find people Mm. that care about their business as much as they do. So they end up doing it themselves for way longer than they need to. I'm a culprit of that, was a culprit of that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, again, sometimes when we talk about branding, again, it's that external. We focus so much on the external, getting clients, building our business, growing our business. But branding is there is an internal and external element to it. And I think that's, yeah, is so, so important for us to consider as business owners and how equally important it is to build that brand so that you can find people that are equally excited. And I do believe whether you, I wonder if you agree with me on this one, but without that brand, like you probably won't find the people equally excited because they are just filling that space or just coming to fulfill a role. Well, reflecting back to something that you said earlier, if you're only ever focused on the sales, then how is anyone ever going to get as excited about that? Because you're literally focusing on the sales to line your pocket. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. But and for some businesses, it could work really well. If your business is focused on kind of very quick turnaround, like drop shipping and volume shipping and volume stuff, then absolutely it can work. If you want to build a business that has brand at the core, that really connects with a certain individual, then you need that brand to be able to do it because that then builds that trust, that no, the no like and trust that we always hear about and that authenticity and all the other buzzwords that go along with it. But it does start it somewhere true. Like your branding is the core of what you do. And the more you communicate that and everyone who works with you that communicates that when it comes to handing over the money, they're like, sure, why wouldn't I? Like, this makes sense. You're exactly what I need. 
Yeah. And you touched on again, one key thing is that whole uniqueness, because I think mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I started this podcast, Be the Sought After Entrepreneur, was really to kind of break free from that cookie cutter, one size fits all, and really help people share and shine their uniqueness in a way that attracts their people. And so authenticity being a huge buzzword, but really being authentic and true to who you are and knowing that you can build a business at that core, right? That you get to choose the brand and the values that you stand for. You get to choose how you show up. And really that is what's going to attract your people to you. 100%. I mean, and I hate to break it to anyone who's out there who doesn't think that this is true. But in my opinion, every business at its core is the same. The difference is you. The difference is your unique set of dreams, goals, experiences, perceptions, the way that you think, the way that you implement, the people you work with, like everything else that you build is unique. So if you're sat there going, yeah, there's nothing unique about my business, or I want to do this, but the market's oversaturated, that's just your view of it. It won't be oversaturated because you can bring something unique to it. And through branding, you can really help to define that and set yourself apart. Um, both now and in the future, because that's something that I don't think we've touched on just yet. I'm a huge advocate that your brand is setting you up for the business you want to have. You never brand the business that you have now, because by the time that you've tried on that jumper, it's going to be too small. You always want to be branding for the business you want to have in five years time. And that includes the culture, the people and everything else that you have that you're building within it. So yeah. You are the unique side of your business. You can always find something that you bring that's different. Yeah, I love that you said that, that you brand for the business that you want in the future, because I always talk about like being the person that you want in the future, right? So if if you want to be the six-figure business owner, you have to start acting like that person now, right? And your analogy of the jumper being too small, I just absolutely love that because it's true, right? And your brand is going to evolve too, I think. I would love for you to share as well because I think people get so hung up on getting it right. Like I got to pick the right colors now and the right font and the right whatever. But we see businesses rebranding often, right? So what are your thoughts around rebranding or the evolution of a brand? So brands will naturally evolve. And like we've talked about earlier, where it's 90% strategy, your brand and your business will be continually evolving. Like my business is so... Every time I sit there and go, huh, how's the last month been? I'm like, oh my goodness, like so much has changed. Whether it's been an approach to the way that I've decided to communicate something, whether it's the fact that I want to rewrite every single one of my services because I know I can do it better, whether it's having an idea and creating something completely new, like we're constantly evolving, we're constantly changing. And it's wonderful and beautiful because as small businesses, we can do that. Whereas bigger businesses can't. Like if Amazon decided to suddenly change everything that they've done, how long would it take for that to go through all of the approvals, all of the systems, all the communication and roll that out? Like a good few years. Whereas a small business owner, you can literally change the foundations of your business that will still align with your core brand values kind of overnight if you wanted to. And when it comes to the visual side of things, I'm a firm believer that if you've done your strategy right, Generally, most of your branding visually will last you a good while. However, there are always tweaks and changes that you can make that still keep it feeling the same. Because again, branding is about the feelings, about the experience. So your visuals can change, they can adapt, they can flow. You can 
follow trends and brands if you want to. But generally speaking, as long as it feels like it's still coming from you, then you're golden. Your brand's still there. It's still cool. Your visuals can kind of ebb and flow with that. Yeah. I love that invite for people or the permission slip that, because I think, yeah, lots Mm -hmm. of people get hung up on that. I got to get it right. Or I'm going to spend this all this time. And I know I even faced that as I was getting ready to launch the podcast, right? I was like trying to pick the name and then trying to pick the image and all of that. Right. And it was someone that's just said, you know, you can change that at some point in the future, like just get this out the door. And, you know, obviously you want that feeling and people to have that feeling of working with you. And so speaking of feeling when it comes to branding, brand messaging, communicating with your audience, I talk a lot about like fear-based messaging, like FOMO and that sort of thing. And so I would love to hear your perspective because we want people to feel a certain way when they come to us, right? Mm -hmm. And we want that to be in alignment. So when they see and hear what we have to say, and then they come to us, if that's disjointed or not connected, it's not going to be a good experience for both parties, right? And I've had this happen in the past where I've attracted people into my sphere that eventually realized I wasn't in alignment with them. And it really was, it went back to sort of fear-based messaging that I was using that was attracting very fear-based people. So I love your perspective on really what that looks like, that fear-based messaging looks like to you. And then how could people maybe change that? Oh, Catherine, I find it (laughs) infuriating. It's so frustrating. And it's easy to slip into. And that's something else that I'd love to kind of touch on because it's what we experience the most. And I think fear-based marketing has always been there from the bright red sale signs that are at the end of the counter and the impulse buying from when we were kids and everything else right the way through to now where it's like you've only got 12 hours until this closes forever and it'll be two grand more than it already is and it's so infuriating because like you were saying I would much rather someone come to me in their own time and be so excited to work with me that they're going to put in the work. They, they want to be a part of it. They're ready to commit. They are mentally in the space where they're like, this is the best thing I can do for my business and I want to do this. Then someone signing up to something because I've said, well, if you don't sign up in the next 20 minutes, you're going to have to pay two grand more and you know buy this extra bit. And there's payment plans that cost more than the sum total of the course to start with. And you have to do it in the next 20 minutes because... The only things I think that I've ever successfully done out of fear is maybe remove a spider from my bedroom because I'm terrified it's going to get on me when I'm sleeping. Like I am literally choosing the lesser of two fears. Like this is not something I want people to come and work with me about because they're so scared of something, of not having something. And also Fear is such a short-lived emotion in comparison to excitement, in my opinion. Like, if someone is scared that they're going to miss out an impulse by something because there's a deadline, how committed are they going to be to actually finishing this thing that they already have some form of anxiety? You set that base level and that experience, that brand experience, is based in anxiety and fear. And, you know, it's like, oh, God, I need to do this now. Whereas... If it's the other way around and it's like, I am so excited for this. I am ready for this. I am committed to this. This is my choice. Then they're going to be way, way more involved. The whole experience is going to be better. It's going to feel better. It's going to feel like there's more value from the get-go because they're excited to be there. 
And honestly, don't even get me started on the whole, hey, you own, I only have a thousand copies of this digital product available because it's a digital product. You can't run out, guys. It's so just, true. I find, yeah, I find it so uncomfortable. It just makes me cringe. But it is easy to fit into. And um, the most common messaging that I think that we see now online is that deadline and that countdown. And they make it very prominent that there's only X number of times left. There are times that this will be true. If you're launching a group program, if you're launching a program or an event that's happening on a specific day. But you know what? In a world where everything's online, you can also offer digital replays. That's a thing that you could do. Like, how can you create more opportunity for the people who aren't available now for this so that in the future when they are ready, then you're the one that's there and you're the obvious choice. Like, I would much rather wait and have something later that I'm really engaged with than have someone screaming visually down my eyeballs about how I need to buy something within the next 12 hours or it's going to go forever. It just feels very forced because I, I don't believe that anything can run out nowadays. Like there's always a way. Yeah. You know, again, I think I loved how you touched on the point of, you know, if you're having a live event that's happening on a certain day, like, yes, there is deadlines. Deadlines aren't a bad thing, but it's the way in which we do it. And I do love the other, like creating more opportunities for your people to buy at different stages because everybody buys differently. There are some people that will do really well buying spontaneously, but I do believe that spontaneous buying is something they've probably looked and thought about for a while. And then something came up and they were like, this is the time for me. So it felt maybe very impulsive or mm-hmm. spontaneous in the moment. But there are people out there that need way more time to decide. I also think massive investments, right? And big investments, again, it varies depending on what people classify as a big investment. But for me, it's like, you know, $2,000 are up. If you're asking, if I come across your stuff and now you're asking me to buy within, I don't know, like a week, it's not going to happen, right? And it's not because I'm coming from a place of money, mindset, scarcity on all that stuff that people feed you. It's just like I'm living within my budget and I've got certain allocations and priorities, right? Again, Mm. I can stretch myself really thin and take on way more than I probably should at times. And so for me, it it is a priority thing of like, can I give my all to this right now in this moment, right? So it might not even be the financial investment, but it's a time thing. And can I go through it and do what I need to do? And to me, I thought those are the types of people that I want to attract is people that are going to show up and they're going to do the work and they're ready to do, do the work. And so that fear-based messaging, I think really does counter that in a lot of ways. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I just want to clarify as well, though, that it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be shouting from the rooftops at every opportunity about what you're doing, because it's not about that. Like as business owners, as individuals, as people, everyone has deadlines. Like there are always going to be deadlines with everything that we do. And that's fine. It adds structure, but it's taking control of those and making sure that they're done in a supportive way and being innovative because we can be innovative with the alternatives that we can offer. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be talking about your product, your service, your launch repeatedly, because that's something that you need to do. Not everyone's going to see every piece of creative and marketing and communication you're putting out there. So you need to talk about it. But rather than just repeating the deadline over and over and over again, 
talk about different benefits, talk about how they're going to feel, talk about the experience. What are they going to have afterwards? What's going to happen during? Like, what's an alternative? Make fun of it. Do memes and gifts and reels. Like, talk about it in different ways that are all supportive towards them making a decision rather than buy now, buy now, buy now. Yeah. And I think the transparency too, and I love that you clarified that point because I think then people get scared and they go, why well, I don't want to talk about what I have to do. But I think just being transparent, somebody asked me the other day, like, what should we do instead? I'm like, just be transparent. So I always hear this, right? It's like, well, when are you offering this again? And someone's like, well, I don't really know. And you know that they're offering it in six weeks or eight weeks, or, you know, they're on a schedule of offering it. And I get you can't promise anything, but I would rather say I'm launching again in five weeks. And then if I don't launch again in five weeks, it's, Hey, sorry, I've pivoted or changed directions. Right. Because I think that that, you know, yeah, just saying, I don't know when I'm going to relaunch again is another tactic. I see a lot of people using to say that this is your opportunity. Now, if you don't do it now, I might not open these doors again for you kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. The other one that I really dislike that's less of like the live launching. And this is something that I've experienced with multiple, sadly more than once where I've had calls with coaches because shockingly over the last 18 months, so we're recording this in July, 2021, things have been pretty awful at certain stages of my business financially and mentally and everything else that's going so I did have a look at maybe investing in a business coach and there were multiples that I spoke to and on a call they were encouraging me to get into debt to pay for their fees and as soon as someone does that I'm like you're not aligned with my values in other words like run the other way because anyone's in anyone that thinks it is worth you getting into debt to pay for their services isn't listening to your situation. And I don't care if they did it. I don't care if that's the way that worked for them. If they try and make you sign over the phone, if they and are forceful about it when you're not ready, or if they're encouraging you to finance their services in a way that feels uncomfortable, that is not on you. If you feel uncomfortable, that's a, that's a rubbish sales call. And that is on them, not on you. So I just anyone who's new to business and has had that experience, like do not feel bad. If something feels wrong, just leave it, ask for time and then say no. Yeah, absolutely. And that whole going into debt piece of awful. tactic, it's, it is awful. And again, some people are comfortable going into debt oh, and yeah. others are not. And if you're not comfortable uh, going into debt to finance, whatever you want to finance, mm-hmm. then you're going to be panicked and stressed and there's going to be all of that icky energy around it. And only, you know, they don't know, right. Only, you know, what is right for you. And and again, it goes back to that feeling, right. The branding and how you want to feel. And so just always trusting your own gut feeling of like, what is right for you and what isn't right for you. So now I want to chat a little bit about the sort of the podcasting side of your business now that you've got kind of two arms all under one one kind of roof why podcasting what enticed you to go into this business so I'm a talker I love to talk (laughs) I love podcasting yeah best way of starting um best way of continuing your marketing if you're a talker is podcasting But genuinely, I started my podcast that you were obviously a guest on in October last year, so 2020. And at the time, I was kind of, I was having so much fun designing 
and creating for my podcast and getting it all set up. And I had a little bit of a little bit of a sneaky research just to see what other services were out there. And I felt like there was this gap that was missing in the market because there were some wonderful podcasting agencies that offer production services and they help you with the actual episode of the podcast or launching. And then you have marketing people who were helping you with your content. You have branding people helping you with your business. But there was kind of this gap missing when it came to how to market and brand and what to do with your podcast episode after you've recorded it. And I had a look and there's people who kind of touch on it, but that's, it's effectively a brand experience packaged as a podcast as opposed to a business. And that that sounded rather juicy and something that I felt like I could kind of slide on into that market and kind of fill that space. Um, So I did consider bringing it under my branding consultancy and offering it as a service, but it felt bigger than that. And it felt like in order to fulfill like the big, the big old goals that I have, it really needed to be an agency or be be in a route of its own because as much as I am a branding expert and I can help with the podcasting side I want to be able to offer the best that I can which means I need other experts to come on board which is why the agency model was perfect for it like they can fill the gaps and skills that I don't necessarily have but it still means that I am using my zone of genius, as you said, to kind of fulfill and support from that aspect, the branding experience aspect of a podcast. So yeah, it's super exciting. It's so easy to talk about. And that's the key thing. When you were talking about brand messaging earlier, as a brand strategist, it is hard to stand out because no one understands brand strategy. They don't really sweeping generalizations. They don't really understand the impact and what it is without you explaining it. Everyone knows what a podcast is. Yeah. Like it's much easier to be able to say, you know, I I run a podcast agency that focuses on business growth by using the format of podcasting. Done. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I asked at the beginning, like, can you explain to the listeners, like, mm-hmm. what is branding? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions. I think a lot of people think branding is just logo, color, and all of that. And yeah. not sort of the whole messaging, the values, what you stand for, why you're different all of that Mm. package together and how important it is to have that kind of foundation. And so, yeah, the podcasting, I mean, it's been so fun for me to just start this journey of podcasting. I love to talk as well. So it felt like a natural segue in the way in which I connect and communicate with my audience. And it's just so, so fun. And I know when I was on your podcast a couple of months ago, you had shared that this was something that you were ruling out. So, so, so excited there. And I just love that you're doing multiple things. Like I mentioned, the whole multi-passionate and kind of following what lights you up and kind of brings you joy. So in terms of the podcasting, when you talk about business growth, right? I think again, when people start things or do things, whether it's growing social media, that sort of thing is like, where, where do, should somebody start with podcasting if they wanted to, to start their own podcast? I would start by recommending, as I do with anything to do with marketing, really be clear on why you want to do it. Like for some people, social media works really well. For me, I find it like I love podcasting because you can have conversations that you would never see really on a social media feed. And podcasting is a much more intimate way of starting a conversation with specific people who are engaged and have actually decided to give you 
an hour of their usually half attention because they're doing the washing up or chasing the kids or driving somewhere or whatever else. But they've chosen to give you that time and you're directly in their earbuds and that's magic. And if you're at that point where you're like, I would love to start a podcast, but I don't really know if I have the time, energy, voice, whatever other objections that you have. There's kind of three different ways that I would really recommend approaching it and considering what you want to get out of it. The first one would be, obviously, you could host your own podcast. Like that's something that you can do. If you have a headset, a microphone and Zoom, then you can start a podcast. That's absolutely fine. The second one would be consider being a guest and building being a guest as part of your marketing strategy. You know, you can incorporate podcasting without having your own. You can just become a prolific guest networker and a guest podcast and bring that into your business strategy. And it still gives you the same benefits as being a host with less time commitment. And then the final one that I would really recommend is if you have any form of long form video content or even short form video content or email content, anything like that, you can just record that. Or if it's existing video, extract the audio and you already have a podcast. It's just that it's in a different format. So you haven't thought of it in that way. So there are multiple ways that you can bring podcasting into your marketing strategy overall, but be clear on why you want to do it. What do you want your audience to get out of it? Why do you want to do it? Why should they give you an hour or 45 minutes of their time? And then what are you going to do with it afterwards? Like, how are you going to maximize that? So yeah, those are kind of the questions that I would would recommend that you spend some time just kind of thinking about or writing down because it will help you feel clearer on those days where you're like, oh, yay, I've recorded an episode. Oh God, I need to edit. So true. And I love the whole intention, right? Is like always having intention, whether it's a podcast or Facebook, Instagram, whatever you're doing in your business, like why are you doing it? Right. Cause I think we can get so caught up in the shoulds or I have tos, right? I need to do this thing, but we have the choice. Like, why do you want to do it? And I know for me, podcasting was more of an intimate deep dive that I was able to do what I don't get from social media, right? The short snippets. Do I love Instagram and doing reels and stuff like that? For sure. But this really allowed me to kind of deep dive and speak my own message, but also connect with like guests like you and which I absolutely jive with and love being able to share different perspectives because my perspective obviously isn't the only perspective out there. And so I want to be able to bring guests on. So it's been such a pleasure chatting with you about branding and podcasting. I've loved having you on as a guest. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up? I do have one final question that I love to ask my guests. Yeah. I have one last thing. It was just something that you said there that really hit when we were talking about FOMO marketing, like all of those shits and feeling like there's something. So that is just you giving yourself FOMO. You're actually FOMO marketing yourself with your marketing strategy. So there is nothing in business that you should have to, must absolutely need to be on X, Y, and Z platform. You have the control and the power to really build it to however you want to market your business in the best way that you feel you can communicate the best that you're passionate about and that you're excited for. Because as soon as you step away from that, it's going to make it feel like a chore. And none of this should be a chore. Running a business can be exciting. It's hard enough with external factors. Like, let's make our choices 
super fun. So yeah, try not to FOMO yourself, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just want to re- rewind there because I think it froze a bit. So what did you say before the FOMO about FOMOing yourself? Oh, so all of the times where you're like, I should be doing this. I must be doing this. I have to be doing this. I need to be, I should be doing six Instagram reels a week. I need to be doing posting in my Facebook group today. I have to go networking three or four times a week. Like all of those, just you inputting pressure on yourself and that fear of missing out, that FOMO marketing on yourself within your own strategy. So yeah, just like sidestep that. There's no need. What makes you feel good? How do you enjoy talking? If you enjoy talking a lot, podcasts, it's great. If you enjoy video, do video, extract the audio, create a podcast, basically just podcasts. But whatever yeah. it makes you feel good, do it that way. Don't, don't ever feel like there is a right or wrong way. It's all a learning curve. Yes. So amazing because I I was chatting with a fellow business owner yesterday and it was, and they had taken about a month off, spent family holidays for summer and whatnot. And they're just coming back now and feeling like, oh my God, I haven't posted in forever or I've been posting so sporadically and I want to be more consistent. And I was just trying to reassure them, you know, that you get to take a break if you want to. And it's probably really great that you went away camping and spent time with family and didn't you know, necessarily hope you weren't feeling guilty, but I know she was feeling guilty about not showing up and stuff. And so it's that whole thing of, look, we get to create this business. We get to create how we show up. And that even if you take a break for a week or a month, your business isn't going to crumble, right? So have fun with it. Relax, let go, surrender to all of it and choose the things that you want to choose and that are really fun for you. Because if it's not fun, again, that's one thing that's going to reflect to your audience. They're going to feel that whether you have the perfect branding or the perfect message that you're putting out, they're going to feel your energy. It doesn't feel good that you're not enjoying what you're doing. So Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not enjoying it, you're less likely to show up. Your consistency lacks. You're more likely to take those breaks. If you're enjoying what you're doing, you're more likely to be consistent and be there regularly and continue bringing that positive energy. So yeah, if you're not feeling whatever platform, then don't do it. Yeah. out later. Yeah, totally. So my one question I love to ask guests as a final question is, what is your definition of success? Oh, oh my goodness. So I would say that success, my brain's going like a million miles an hour. It's like, it's this deliverable. Success, again, I'm going to echo exactly what I've been talking about all the way through this. Success is the feeling where you have the freedom, the achievements, the sense of accomplishment. It's whatever it is that makes you feel like you're the, you're the happiest girl in the world. It's whatever makes you happiest. And that can look different for everyone. For some people, success is financial freedom. For some people, success is more time with your family. Some people's success is being able to travel and run their business from wherever across the world. I think that success is so malleable that it really is just how it's that feeling. And I don't know if you can actually, I can't articulate it in a tangible way because some people will always achieve success and they'll see success in everything that they do. Like every day can be a success. Every action you take can be a success. And when you start viewing your world like that, you're going to feel that sense of happiness and confidence. But the end goal, I think, is just when you feel 
that you've hit that point that you're like, everything feels good. I'm good. This is the legacy that I'm happy with. Yeah. It's a yeah. really good question. Yeah. And I, and I love, yeah. And I love your answer. Cause I am on a bit of a mission to redefine what success looks like. Cause I think we've been conditioned a lot. Again, this is a bit of a generalization, but having talked with so many business owners and corporate and whatnot is like, you know, this money goal, like six figure business, seven figure business, or I need to have this, this many clients. And so, but what I'm seeing and kind of feeling from my audience and people that I've worked with is like this chase, this chase for success that it really isn't even the success they want. The thing that they want is something different. Right. And it's like, you get to define what your success is. You get to define what that looks like. And it isn't the same for everybody. And so it's going to be what feels good for you and what you want. You might want a minimalist lifestyle and that six and seven figure business really isn't the thing that you want, but you're chasing it because you feel like that's going to help you be accomplished or whatever the reason behind it might be. But so I am on a bit of a mission to redefine what success looks like because I do think that it is up to, again, everybody else to decide what is success for them and that it doesn't have to be what some social media curated feed looks like. It can be whatever you want it to be and that we don't need to kind of chase and strive for things that aren't in alignment for us. So yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that there's always a misconception between success, achieving goals and social standards. Yes. (laughs) Do you want to explain sort of your thinking behind that. Yeah, of course. So for me, I think the more that I've rambled my way through my definition, I think for me, success, I try and look for success in every day because feeling successful is something that you can achieve at any point. I think it's the goals that people set. I don't want to say too big. I don't believe that any goal is ever too big. I think, you know, that's how individuals have ended up creating things like, you know, Virgin and um, Tesla and uh, Amazon and everything else, like all of these start up with one person with one idea, like you, that could be you. Yeah. But the more that you find and experience success in what you're already achieving, the more that it will kind of push you forward towards those bigger goals that you want to have that are more of your end goal, which I think will always move if you're anything like me. It's like, I've started a business. I'm going to quit my job. I quit my job. I'm going to do this. I've done this. I'm going to do that. But then you have the pressure, as you were saying, for social media. But also, I have found that there are monetary goals are something that people put a lot of sway on, which may not be relevant for you as an individual. And financial freedom doesn't necessarily mean that you're earning millions. But for some, it might be. I'd love to be a millionaire. That's one of my goals. And that's fine. Awesome. But also from a societal pressure point of view, and this is kind of not necessarily just with business, but it's also because business is our lives, you know, we are our businesses, but it's like spending more time with your family or having children or, you know, funding life events like holidays and big fancy cars and buying houses and stuff like that. If that's not your goal, that's okay. Like whatever your goals are, that's your business. That's is, is in like a natural business, but you can define what you want to achieve and you are absolutely capable of achieving that, but really trying to embrace finding success in the things that you're doing now, because that will help fuel you towards the bigger things that you're aiming for. And don't listen to anyone else because, hey, as long as you're not hurting anyone or negatively affecting someone, I feel like, yeah, just go for it. Chase those dreams. Yeah. And again, it kind of all ties back into like 
branding in and of itself in a way, right? It's like really knowing what you stand for. What kind of business do you want to create? What type of yeah. feeling are you wanting to have, right? Because again, I think we we get into the idea of having a business because we love the idea that we're bringing to the table, but we don't spend that time sort of up front really, yeah, grounding ourselves in, in that why and knowing that that why is probably going to change and evolve. Like I want to do this thing and this feels really awesome right now. And this is the thing I want to do. And this is why, but knowing that, yeah, you can pivot along the way and that your definition of success can change and that there is no right or wrong definition of success. So people that want the million dollars or want the big houses and fancy boats and cars or whatever, like that's cool if that's what you want, right? (laughs) But if you want more of a minimalist lifestyle and you just want to spend time with family and financial freedom to you looks like being able to work from home, make enough to live, pay your mortgage and go on holidays, that's cool too. That is cool too. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like build your business to facilitate the life that you want to have. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Oh, I'm so excited. So I will plug the podcasting business. (laughs) Yes, for sure. You can find me online at www.podcastmedia.com. That's podcast spelled wrong like cats because love it um and the same for instagram uh, it's at podcast media and i'm on linkedin as tammy heels i'll show you can have all of my links if you like but yeah come and hang out come and have a chat like i will talk about branding and podcasting all day so feel free to come over start a conversation and then when you get bored you can wander off for a bit i'll still be there Awesome. Well, it's been such a pleasure. And yes, we will link up all of your links in the show notes so that our listeners have access. Yeah. And your <laughs> yeah. So you have they have access to it. So it's it's all good. But yeah, it's been such a pleasure connecting with you again and having you on my show. I've loved chatting with you, all things branding. I could chat with you for hours, but uh <laughs> I know we got to cut it off. People only have so much time to listen. So yeah. Thank you so much. I've had an absolute blast. It's been wonderful to have another conversation with you and go through this. It's just been, yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Wow. That was such a fun episode. I just love how Tammy breaks down what branding and marketing and sales is and how they are different and how you can look at them differently within your business and really why each one of them is so important for attracting the most aligned clients into your business. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Again, please let me know in the comments and the reviews how you liked it, what you liked about it, and what your biggest takeaways are. And now for episode number 12, which is our next episode, I have another special guest joining me and her name is Morgan Gillis. She is a fellow Canadian that specializes in helping entrepreneurs generate leads using Instagram without having to try and beat the algorithm. In fact, all of her strategies and tactics have nothing to do with the algorithm. And I know that the changes to the algorithm, just hearing that word causes a lot of entrepreneurs to get frustrated. So I cannot wait for you to hear what Morgan has to say about how you can grow your business on Instagram like I said, without having to beat the algorithm. So be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss when the episodes are dropped weekly each Tuesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you right back here next time. You can also find us on social media at Creatively Owned and online at creativelyowned.com. Until next time, keep showing up as your authentic self.